We think women need to talk more openly about money because money really matters. It shouldn't be embarrassing or confusing. Join the conversation. We'll be discussing a whole range of topics which will help you get comfortable with your finances. Money Matters, brought to you by AJ Bell. Hello and welcome to the Money Matters podcast. I'm Laura Suter and this week I am opening up a confessional, Danny. <laughs> a safe space, Laura, but what I want to know is, does I have biscuits? Because that would make me happy. Why don't I have biscuits? I really should, right? I'm <laughs> rectifying that for the next podcast. Um, but this podcast is always, I think, hopefully a safe space where we can talk about um helping people feel more confident and comfortable talking about money and making money work as hard for you as you do to earn it in the first place. Yeah. And if you are a regular listener to this podcast, you'll know that every episode we do try to tackle a different issue. But there is one fundamental thing which really does seem to dominate absolutely everything that we talk about. Every conversation that we have with women who are either on their investment journey, just starting that journey or thinking about making that first step, um, they always say that they worry about making mistakes and fear of making those mistakes is often something that really holds people back. Yeah, and so we've been putting some of our colleagues on the spot because it doesn't matter how experienced you are, mistakes happen and they're all part of that investing journey. So we've been grilling them on some of the mistakes that they've made. Yeah, people were running from us in the office. It was quite funny. <laughs> um, we'll also be talking to the brilliant Anna-Sophie Hartvigson from Female Invest. And welcome to any Female Invest listeners who haven't joined us on our AJ Bell Money Matters podcast before. Please come back. And she is brutally honest about the mistakes that she's made, but said that, like so many of us, one of the biggest mistakes was just not starting out in the first place. And I think it's only fair, since we've been grilling our colleagues, that we also share some of our investing mistakes. For me, it was exactly what Anna talks about. It was the, the not starting, or at least starting too late. Um, I had a pension, but apart from that, and a house, um, I didn't really think about investing. And I know that for a lot of people, you know, they might say, well, that that's quite a good investment, but I wish I had started thinking about things like ISAs much earlier. And I think it's easy to feel like you don't have the spare cash, isn't it, really? I can understand how you fell into that trap. You kind of have the things that, um, the boxes that you want to tick of setting up a pension, buying a house, and then you kind of stop there and, and don't necessarily think about going further, do you? No, no, I, and just didn't. And because I wasn't working in the financial industry at the time, it, it wasn't conversations that I had with any of my colleagues either. We just, you know, had pensions, had houses and took a holiday. <laughs> and I think um, I think my mistake, or at least my first investment mistake, I'm still making many, um, was probably because I was surrounded by people in the finance industry. So I was a financial journalist um, and I was working in quite a male-dominated team and all of them were investing. And I just, on the one hand, that was great. It gave me the confidence to start and made me think, well, if they're all doing it, why am I not? But it means that I ended up investing in the things that they were investing in because I thought, oh, well, they're they're in the know they must know and and so I kind of I started buying shares um and I bought companies without really knowing why I was buying them or why I thought they would do well um 
And I've since learned, I mean, some of their recommendations were not very good. Um, but also I've <laughs> since learned that investing through funds and things like that is just a much better fit for me personally. Um, it's less to monitor. It's more diversified. Um, so I guess I guess I can't completely discredit those former colleagues because they did get me started. But um yeah, I think it's important to invest in your own style and not just invest in the things that either your friends or your colleagues or people in the know tell you to invest in. So we have unburdened ourselves, which we really did think it was only fair before we share our colleagues' confessions. Yeah, definitely only fair. But let's start by hearing from Kirsty. So my biggest investment regrets, I have three of them. Uh, the first of them is not making the most of um, moving my shares from my dealing account into a nicer tax-free or more tax-efficient environment. Um, that was something I was always meaning to do and never quite got around to. Um, also, not opening up junior ISAs um, quick enough for my three daughters um, and again, making the most of the tax allowances for those um, and also getting them um, invested in the stock market early. Um, and finally, not in, not increasing my pension contribution soon enough. Um, so I've held a pension since I was 21 um, and probably only in the last five years did I increase the contributions to that significantly. Um, and if I'd have done that a lot sooner, uh, the compound effect would have made a huge difference to the end value so three investment regrets there you know it's funny because Kirsty really pretty much echoes my regrets there um right here is Chris my biggest investing mistake is definitely not starting sooner or earlier I believe if I'd started in my 20s early mid or late like we are all advised to I would be a lot further along in my investing journey and I would have been able to take advantage of a longer period of my money compounding with the stock market going up over the last 10 years or so. And I would yeah, definitely be a lot further than I am now. So my biggest investing mistake is not starting a lot sooner. Yeah, and I think a lot of people resonate with, with what Chris said. Starting early is so important, but particularly... Um, for women as well, because quite often they might end up having a career break or maybe working part time um, and so taking a break in their pension contribution. So I think that's a really key one to learn from. OK, finally, we have Georgie. The thing I would change about my investing experience is actually just speaking to my peers and my friends about money and about investing and and, and all things to do with it. I think when you sandboard off somebody, um, it helps you to become a little bit less intimidated and, and maybe gives you a bit of an idea of what you could be doing differently um, and listen to other people's perspectives too. I would also probably put away five, 10 pounds a month. So any money that I had saved at the end of the month, um, put that into my investing pot, but I've got a long time to rectify that. So, so watch this space. Yeah, I think talking to friends is so important. And actually, I feel like we're in a real sweet spot at the moment where I feel like a lot of younger people are talking about money more, having much more open conversations about money, about investing, about what they're earning. Um, and I think that's that's really great. I think that's so much better than, than previous generations have done it. 
And, you know, on social media, you see so many people having those conversations as well. And then you've got podcasts like this one, which hopefully, you know, gets you talking. Maybe you talk to your friends about it. And, and that's part and parcel of the journey that we're hoping to take you on. Uh, those were the brave ones, uh, because it, it's not comfortable to talk about mistakes, uh, particularly when it comes to money. Um, we did get a couple of emails too. And this one struck me, Laura, because we also had an email from a Money Matters listener along the same vein. And I think we will do something about buying a home and saving to buy a home in a future episode. But here we go. Our emailer said, I regret not researching the lifetime ISA rules before opening an account because I'm looking to buy my first home in London and the £450,000 house price limit will stunt my options. Yeah, and I think that this is one a trap some people might have fallen into. It's like not fully researching the accounts or the type of things they're using for any clauses before they sign up. And it's probably a case of, like we were talking about earlier, following what their friends are doing before maybe checking the fine print. Um, but yeah, I think that is a, a tricky one. Probably a bit more specific to a lifetime ISA because um, normalizers don't don't have those kind of clauses to them but yeah that's that's an interesting one um and so here's another anonymous one that was sent in i started investing in shares because i could relate to the companies especially the ones that you see down the high street or on the way to work but i wish i'd learned about funds sooner so spreading a bit of risk around rather than putting all of my eggs in a couple of companies baskets so that's kind of what i was talking about before and it's a similar mistake um, that I made kind of thinking that you can bet on a couple of shares rather than actually taking what is probably a easier and slightly less scary route of, of picking funds. Yeah, and if you haven't come across funds before, um, basically it's a way of putting together a whole load of different company shares in one basket and then you have a bit of that basket. So they're kind of diversified for you. They might be you know, funds which are particularly uh, ESG, ethical, looking at environmental, social governance issues, or they might be funds which are talking about sort of emerging markets, places like Asia, or they might just be funds that sort of track something like the FTSE 100. But if you are interested in that kind of thing, then do have a look around. And also we have another podcast that Laura and I contribute to, which is called the Money and Markets podcast. So do take a listen to that. And the last one that we were sent in, so a mistake I made was not having a particular strategy when picking investments. I just picked shares here and there and didn't look at my investments as a whole portfolio. And then that took some time to rectify. I think a lot of people will resonate with that, won't they? Yeah, I think they will. And it's interesting because there's been an awful lot of conversation about a diverse portfolio just over the last few months, particularly because we're seeing such high inflation. And of course, some companies, some shares do particularly well when there's low inflation, but not brilliantly when there is high inflation. And also because of the uncertainty with what's going on in Ukraine, there is a lot of um, movement as people maybe think to look for what are called safe havens. So they might be you know, putting money into bonds, which are performing better, or they might be thinking about putting it into gold or even in some cases, cryptocurrency. But as I say, if you are interested in, in those sort of conversations, then do take a listen to our Money and Markets podcast. 
And another great resource is the e-learning platform and investment community, Female Invest. So it was founded in Denmark in 2017, and it has a very similar aim to us, which is to close that gender investment gap and get more women into investing. Now, one of its co-founders is Anna-Sophie Hartvigson, and she was a guest at our first in-person event a few weeks ago. I caught up with her recently and uh, got to talk to her about some of the mistakes that people make, some of the mistakes that she's made, and what to do about them. Anna, I mean, you speak to an awful lot of women about investing. I mean, that is what you do. What is the most common mistake that people tell you about that they've made when it comes to investing? I think, ironically, the most common mistakes the people I talk to have made is never getting started. I think that is believing in all of the myths and not believing in themselves. And I so often meet women who are maybe at the later stages of their lives and now they just regret so badly never taking that leap and they just lost time that they can never get back, even though, of course, it's never too late to get started. It's funny because I think of myself in, as being in quite a similar boat to that, although I did start investing in my pension quite early. Is it sometimes that people maybe have started investing but they don't realize it. I think for most people, as you say, they have a pension and that pension is often invested somehow. But I think it also goes for a lot of people that they have no idea how it is invested, uh, who invests it, uh, what their risk profile is, what to look out for. So even though it is invested and they are investing, you could say, then they've never taken ownership. So they might still have lost out on a lot of potential in their pensions because they didn't uh, take ownership soon enough. Is that something that then makes a successful investor, someone that takes ownership? I think at least it's the first step to become a successful investor. You know, having that overview, engaging, actively deciding what you want to do with your money, how much risk and so on. So I think definitely the first step is taking ownership. What else makes a successful investor? Um, I think at least history shows that someone who is patient and with patient I mean that you don't panic when um, things spike either up or down. Um, I think right now we have the war in Ukraine which has tested a lot of investors on this but the people who are able to keep a cool head are definitely the people who win in the long run. Um, and then, of course, also the people who don't get carried away by um, trends in the media and who understands that in order to win in the long run, you need to diversify and to spread out your risk. And it might sound boring, but historically it has been the winning strategy. What mistakes will you admit to making? Oh, so I have made a lot of mistakes, uh, so many. Um, I think what I just said about not getting carried away, I think I have definitely been bad at doing that earlier on. Even though I know that um, I need to keep a cool head, then it's so easy to get carried away and think that, oh, I know better, or um, maybe this time it's different. Uh, and I've definitely uh, guilty of having done that uh, quite a few times. Um, and then I am definitely also guilty of a, a few times having traded based on hype rather than what I know from a rational standpoint is uh, the best thing to do. I know certainly I've been contacted by the media and been asked questions. You know, mm -hmm. billions have been wiped off the stock market today. Uh, you know, investors have lost a lot of money. And 
the next day sometimes you can see that turnaround. But when you're seeing a stock falling, particularly if you've got one of those apps and you're checking on your investments, I guess now that we're more connected than ever, it makes it easier to sort of act in a knee-jerk way? Yeah, I think that's uh, that's definitely true. And um, and yeah, I think just because the new stream is so accessible, then um, I think also making your own assessment is um, is quite something we see often among new investors uh, and something that we uh, we kind of usually advise against. So there, there are lots of preconceived ideas about the differences between the way that men and women invest. Are any of them true? Definitely. So actually, you know, we can measure that quite accurately when we just see how people traced and then uh, see how that's correlated to gender. And what we see is that women on average tend to trade, trade less frequently uh, and that they tend to take on a slightly less risk. Um, but because they trade less frequently, uh, often we actually see that they are less emotional than men are in the stock market. They also, on average, come out on top, uh, getting better returns. And we see that both among private and among public investors. Um, so that definitely are some key uh, differences in how the average man and the average woman trades. Risk's an interesting thing, isn't it? Um we often talk about women saving for future events rather than saving just for the opportunity of making money. Is that part and parcel of the reason why maybe they don't mess around as much with their investments? Yeah, I think it definitely could be. And I think there are two sides to that. So I think one of them is a cultural thing. Uh, even though we've come a really long way in society, there's still such a long way to go when it comes to talking about money. Um, I think there are still a lot of stereotypes around uh, women and money. Um, then at the same time, we see that the way uh, financial institutions communicate to women, the advice to women is often centered around saving and being more conservative, whereas the advice to men is often centered around taking more risk and investing. Um, and we see that both uh, when financial institutions or even parents communicate to little girls, but also when it's communicated to career women. Um, and I think that's also a key reason why uh, many women don't get started investing. So what about the sectors that women tend to invest in? Are they different? Um, so what we see, and I think here there is maybe less consistent uh, research, at least from what I've found, uh, but some trends definitely are quite uh, clear. And one is that uh, women tend to care more about impact investing and sustainable investing. And that's also something we felt a lot in Female Invest, just in the request from members and what they're interested in uh, hearing about. Has the fact that now we are talking more about that ESG investing, about the sustainable and climate issues and social issues, and the fact that now there are funds dedicated just to that, and, and you can see fairly clearly what they stand for, has that made it easier and has that made more women get involved in investing? So I think um, the 
I think the increased transparency has definitely made more women take uh, the leap, especially because, at least in my experience, women want it to be about more than just money. Like being told, like, you can have more money to buy more things is not necessarily what motivates the average woman. It's also about a freedom. It's about independence. It's about building a future for your children. It's about investing in a world you want to be part of. So definitely that appeals a lot. Um, but I also think we still have a long way to go because even though we do have funds which maybe then have a name saying uh, sustainable energy or whatever, then it's often not very clear exactly what that means and exactly what to buy into. Uh, and I think uh, there's still a lot of work to be done in that area as well. There's been a lot of talk about, you know, trying to have some kind of traffic light system, the same kind of system that you have on mm -hmm. food, which tells you if food is good. Do you think we'll ever get to that point? I hope so. Um, I think um, a first step could just be having some clear uh, definitions of what sustainability uh, is. For example, I think uh, the ESGs are at least one way of uh, going about it. Um, but yeah, I think having some more clearly defined standards for uh, impact and sustainability is definitely a first step. What would give women in fact everybody more confidence to start investing so i think having role models i think especially women have really lacked uh, role models in the financial industry and especially in decision making positions um now in these past few years there's been a movement of women, you know, speaking up and female movements in this area. But it's definitely not long ago uh, where this was very rare. Like I remember growing up and um, I never saw uh, women, you know, talking about these matters in the news or in my uh, personal life. Uh, so I think having role models is definitely the first step. And having role models will also allow to tailor the communication to uh, the target group. Let's be honest, right now, a lot of people are just thinking about having enough money to make ends meet. They're not thinking about investing. They think it's not an ideal time. What do you think about that? I think it will never be an ideal time. Like There will always be some reason to not get started investing. So I've been investing for nine years now. It has completely changed uh, my a financial future but at any point during those nine years there would have been some good reason I could point to and say oh this is the reason I don't invest like right now it would be the um, uncertainty with Ukraine before that could be COVID before that could be Trump before that it would be something else um, and you can always find excuses um, but yeah I think in the end it's just really about uh, getting started yeah and, and I know that I mean, a lot of people think you need a lot of money to get started, but that is also not the case at all. Um, you can get started with very small amounts. Just make sure that the fees where you trade don't make up too high a percentage. You can definitely get started with small amounts. Uh, you can even save up small amounts and then invest them when you reach like, I don't know, 200 pounds or 100 pounds or something like that. That's exactly what I was going to ask, because there is a preconception that you need to be incredibly wealthy to invest. But it can just be a tiny amount every month, a bit like, you know, subscribing to Netflix. Definitely. And even a small amount every month can make a tremendous difference over time. And it's about 
the time as well, isn't it? It's all very well saying, right, well, I'm going to put, you know, 20 pounds a month away, but it's how long you leave it there. That's where the key magic happens. It definitely is like, um, as we often say, it's not about timing the market. It's about time in uh, the market. Um, I heard a woman the other day comparing it to surfing. And she said that if you want to catch those good waves, then you can't just stand on the beach with your surfboard waiting for a wave. Because by the time you see it, then you run into the water and then it's already over. By the time you get there, you just need to be in the water and then you will catch those waves and also the storms, but um, but you need to be in the water. I suppose that the last one really is, you know, you've been talking to women about investing now for a number of years. Are things changing? I think actually things are changing, at least among uh, normal women, I want to say. Like uh, when we started Female Invest a few years uh, back, um, women would often say like, oh, this is not for us. So this feels like so re- revolutionary. I mean, it would be like a whole new thing that we were introducing. But already now I see a lot of women being like, yeah, cool. You know, I thought about this before. I might not do it already, but I thought about that I could be an investor. So I think among like normal people, it's changing. And then I think the financial industry still has a very, very long way to go. Like, I think women are still invisible in like C-suites uh, in banks and so on. Uh, I think any uh, minority is kind of invisible. Uh, and I think we have, unfortunately, decades uh, to go before that starts changing. Um, but um, but definitely among kind of ordinary women, in lack of a better word. Anna, it's been really lovely to talk to you. Thank you for your time. Thank you for having me. So that was Anna-Sophie Hartfordson from Female Invest. And I really liked how she talked about waiting for the right time and how for lots of people, there's just never really going to be a right time and, and the benefit of just putting away a little bit of money each month and just getting started. And if you haven't already come across Female Invest, do check them out on social media at Female Invest on Twitter and Instagram but not before you have followed us on Instagram, which is at AJ Bell Money Matters. Um, It's also worth signing up to our newsletter if you haven't already. Uh, It provides lots of great content and articles that the team write um, with lots of topics that we don't cover on the podcast, but also there's chances to get free tickets to events or exclusive offers that we don't put out on social media. So if you go to the AJ Bell You Invest Money Matters homepage. You can sign up to the newsletter there and it's sent out once a month so we won't be spamming you constantly. Well, that is it for this episode. As always, we do love to hear from you via social media or you can email us moneymatters at ajbell.co.uk. And thanks so much for listening. We'll see you next time. Before you go, please remember this podcast is for educational purposes and the views expressed don't necessarily reflect those of AJ Bell. The podcast isn't telling you whether certain investments are suitable or not. And don't forget that the value of investments can change and you can lose money as well as make it. It's also important to remember that tax rules apply and that the way an investment performed in the past may not be the same as how it behaves in the future. If you want help, go see a qualified financial advisor.